that that marks the beginning of the recording. Good. So um, I I think it would be a good idea to add to that with some additional words. Okay. Uh, because otherwise this will amount to, I don't know, what, 20, 30, 40 minutes of relative silence. And the listeners, if any, may not be um, particularly intensely entertained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we would like... You could be right. Yeah, we would like them to be at least a little bit entertained, yeah. you know, in the hope that maybe they'll come back, you know, next time and see us again. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. Good. So, so here we are. So I've, I've, I've done the, the fire poking. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, we've got, good. we've got a nice, nice good blaze up. Good, good. On the, uh, on the virtual campfire. We've got, uh, coffees all around. Tea if you really feel inclined mm-hmm. um there's some bags of, of of nice fruit infusions as well if you'd prefer something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. um some cans of beer for them as are inclined to you know the more aley kind of do we not are we not doing ale I mean, we could do ale i'm assuming that there are going to be people that want to have a bit of a kickback and a and a beer and and you know Spark, spark up a tinny or whatever the... I have no clue. No, I don't think it's that. No. Whatever. I don't know. I don't do beer or anything else like that. Apart from rum. I do rum. I... Anyway, moving on. Um, the point is we're here and we can we have freedom to speak. Would you like to say something? Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Hello. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Settle in warm your knees, pull up a log, all squish in. There's a whole load of you now. You're just going to have to kind of move in, make room for everybody around the virtual campfire. Welcome to Frithcast. Hello. Episode 131. 131? So we are your lovely hosts for your time with us around the virtual campfire. My name is Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. I mean, we like to think we're lovely-ish. Yeah, I'll do my best. You know, I mean, we we like to think... I mean, personally, my my standard is... is, You know, if I can can not be unutterably dreadful, that's that's, that's about my standard. I mean, it's a good thing to aim for. Um, And I am Kate, and I have got a head full of stuff but it's not very relevant because it's mostly star wars at the moment mm, star wars um because basically i've been watching watching a lot of star wars lately and uh that's that's really kind of taken it all over so i'm not sure how much heathen help i'm going to be able to be tonight eh, it's all good before we get going into today's discussions we would like to say a big hello and welcome to our lovely friends at Awaken the North. Hello. Hello. Hello, all you lovely Awaken the Northers. If you're looking for a international heathen organisation that is inclusive, 
and it is fairly lively. There are some really good discussions that go on in that group. Check them out. You could do you could do worse. <laughs> could do a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it it, it is a it is a uh, a great group that we are uh, uh, happy to say we are uh, good friends with, yes. and um, it's uh, it's definitely worth uh, worth checking out. Yeah. So, on with today. Now, a few days ago, Kate and I got let out on a road trip. Yay! We went far, far away from the virtual campfire. Americans will think we basically went next door. Everybody will be Britain. They'll be like, did you travel that far? Yes, we did. We travelled uh, a little way north of us to a lovely city called York in Yorkshire. The Shire of York. The Shire of York, yeah. So York City is a very favourite place of ours and we went there for a very specific reason. And yeah, it's this evening's kind of discussions we were looking at reflecting on that experience of going there and the reason we went there so lovely lovely listeners please settle in and warm your knees for this episode 131 of Frithcast music goes here it can do awesome it certainly can do do you want our music or somebody else's no our music is good Fair enough. I mean, I say our music. We, I'm, I'm you beginning know, to think of it as our music. After I, I think of episodes. it as our the person who the person who we we we. Who's, it's all in the notes anyway, but uh, we are still ever grateful to um, the uh, composer of the tunes that we've used. But yeah, okay, music here then. Sounded a bit more like um, the William Tell Overture than anything else. So yes, music's finished now. You okay. Can, so, so lovely listeners, you might think, why on earth, for all the Americans out there, why on earth did we hop next door, and for all the Britons, why did we make the mighty trek up the country? All the way to York. All the way to the city of York to spend a very hard-earned day in a city. And we went there uh, on the the weekend, which was just a few days ago. Mm -hmm. We went there to attend the Jorvik Viking Festival, which is pretty much been on every year for way back before I started attending and you started attending. Mm. It's been quite so a lot of years. So you and I have it? been going a decade to the festival pretty much every year. Yeah. And I went for a good few years before you and I started going together. Yeah. So the the Jorvik Viking Festival is... Uh, the city of York has a 
uh, a very big historical past. And in 1984, I think, were the excavations inside the city. Uh, they were about to create a new building of some kind. And because it's it's in an urban environment, it has to run past the archaeologists first. Yep. Good job it did, because they found, when they dug, they found the most amazing Viking remains. Uh, and what they ended up doing with that site and those remains was building a visitor centre over the top of it. Mm-hmm. A tourist attraction by name of the Jorvik Viking Centre. That's J-O-R-V-I-K. Yep. J-O-R-V-I-K. So that became a huge central part of the city of York's identity. Yep. And what they found on that excavation were the remains of dwellings with a, a little narrow strip garden at the back, remains of cottage industries, huge amounts of remains of trade. And elsewhere in the city, they started picking up other Viking artefacts as well, mm. including the Coppergate helmet yeah. uh, and other bits and pieces in digs at the comparable level. So York... Uh, in at that time in the early middle ages is a thriving pretty much thriving trade town i mean to be honest it 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 has a it has a pretty like you say it has a pretty extensive history when i say i mean obviously you know you look at it from a certain point of view point of sorry too much star wars you look at it from a certain point of view um uh, obviously you would argue that every everywhere has the same amount of history but i mean in terms of you know, continuous usage as a as a settlement, as a trade as an settlement, urban, and so forth. Urban site. Um, but it certainly it certainly has become very very uh, deeply connected to um, the uh, the Vikings, the Norse Danish activities here in the north of England. Yes. And so yeah. on. So. So, I guess springing out of the archaeology and. The fact that they're building this, that they were building the the huge big visitors attraction that is now the Jorvik Viking Centre, which has the excavation floor. As you go down into the building, you then go downstairs onto the excavation surface, and you can see it. They've actually put a glass perspex floor over the top of it, and you can go and walk over the top of it, which is just amazing. Uh, it's rather fabulous. What happened to the building that they wanted to build originally? They then decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> I bet somebody they, was miffed. Somebody might have been very miffed in a way, but other people were very, very happy. So out of this, the the city started holding a Jorvik Viking festival, which as far back as I know was in the, the half term of February mm-hmm. and included an awful lot of reenactors coming in traders and reenactment uh, replica makers bringing goods in to sell yeah so york became a viking trading town once again yeah and from that they added to it in the very early days they had dragon boat races up the ooze they don't have them anymore but i can remember seeing them way back when in the day for for those not familiar the ooze o-u-s-e is one of the two uh, rivers it's based on. One of the two rivers that that um, flow through York. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
ideal defensive place where two rivers uh, meet up. Yeah. So the heart of the city is in between the two, and then they put walls around the rest so that you really could not get out this place. It was very easily defensible and easily to trade with because you had the two rivers bringing in riverine trade. Yeah. Um, and coastal trade as well. It's not that far away from coming uh, in from the coast. The rivers gave you good access. And it, and that, this is why it's been such a significant uh, city for so long. York is... we It is most famous as Jorvik. Yes. Which is what, the as I say, the, 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 the Danes, the Norse, called it. Mm. It's also been... Yofawik? Efferwick. Efferwick. Yeah. So which was the Anglo Saxon? Yes. Do we say Anglo we don't say Anglo Saxon anymore, do we? Well, early medieval Early Medieval Early Medieval English. Anglic? So. I don't know. Yeah. What, what whatever. Anyway, those those people who were around the time after the Romans left. And just before the Vikings started and coming. Just in. before the Vikings arrived and took over yeah. the, 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 the sort of northeast of, of, of England. Um, they called it Efferwick. Uh, prior to them, it was still a, f- a fairly significant town for the Rom- Romans and the Romano-British uh, when it was called Eberarkum. Eber- Whole big fort thing going on. Yeah. Um, and there is still, to this day, uh, within the the sort of city centre in the, the, the archaeological um, preserved areas of the city centre, there is a Roman fort, fort there. Yes, the Roman you can parts see. of the Roman. You can still see parts of the Roman walls. Yeah, Lendal Tower is partly Roman. There's a piece under the Roman bath pubs, which has got the Roman bathhouse in the cellar. You can uh, see the walls in other places as well. The Roman walls and, and the, the fort was and, now and the Roman, under the Roman pub. Yeah, above the top. The of, Roman pub over the top. It's not a Roman pub. No, and the York Minster sits on the site of the Roman fort. That's right. The Principium. The, the Minster is um, a very large, very, uh, very, large. very large cathedral. Very large cathedral. Um, it is utterly, utterly magnificent. Um, yes. Now, I mean, there are going to be people sort of dotted around Europe and uh, and places um, looking at you, Cole. Um, uh, look, you know, there are going to be pe- pe- people in Europe who will sort of look at York Minster and go, no, it's not. But, but I, I sort of stand next to that and it just takes my breath away. It's, a, yes. it's an absolutely stunning structure. Um, and that, as you say, used to be, uh, that's on what, what was originally the, the site of the, uh, the cent- the administrative center of the Roman fort. Mm. Um, on the Praetorium. Praetorium? Principium? Principium. And one of the pillars from that is now outside the Minster. Mm. And there's a whole lot of pillar bases still in the Undercroft. Yes. Which is just mind-blowingly gorgeous. Anyway, York does its York thing. There's a lot of history poking through, which is awesome. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about the festival itself. And a Jorvik Viking festival is somewhere you and I have been going for about, I don't know, a good decade. Around around that, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we manage a week there and sometimes we just manage a couple of days or a single day. 
but every year it has been physically on, in the last decade, we've gone. There have, unfortunately, as we as we know, same same situation all around the world. We've uh, it's it's not been possible to run the festival during the period of the the plague going on. No, but they've, um, they've translated it to online. I was just going to say, but they they still ran it. It's just they had to run it via sort of sort of online conferences and events over. Um, yeah, even over, crafting over, events over Zoom. Yeah, so <laughs> just brilliant. yeah, they've 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 basically they've basically just kept it going, and it's like we're not gonna we're not gonna let a a, a, a viral viral outbreak stop it. We're not gonna. No, so now you get the towns flooded on occasion. Oh yeah, yes, the city has a, a a reputation for flooding when the rivers burst their banks, and especially in February. But the festival itself got me thinking, and I go every year, and that is part of my spiritual practice. Mm. And it kind of got me thinking because for as long as you and I have been going, certainly, there's been a conscious call for me to go, to take time off work, to book holidays, yeah, or to and then to pay for transport maybe to pay for accommodation because that experience is not just entertainingly rewarding but also spiritually rewarding for me Mm. it has a faith element to it for me and so maybe that's that's kind of the wider question i want to look at is going to ritual meeting up with members of my kindred, meeting up with other heathens, those have very obvious spiritual connections. Yeah. They very much top up my faithometer. And, yeah, the, over the last couple of years, they've been quite thin on the ground, understandably so, but thin on the ground. Yeah. So for me to have an event that is not connected with my kindred, not directly connected with other heathens, or although I might meet one or two there. Mm. I also am very wary that people using that imagery may not always be inclusive heathen. Yeah, yeah. And that they can also choose to attend that festival. Yeah. And I may see them while I'm there and then think, oh, no, let me go the other way. You may. And yeah, and it is, it's also significant that um it, it isn't a heathen festival no so you're going to it's a tourist attraction it's a tourist attraction you're going to get tourists to go along because it's fun yeah you're going to get academics who go along because or or you know history buffs people who are interested in that period or whatever who will go along because there are workshops there are presentations lectures and things that you can go to and learn stuff um, learn stuff yeah there are reenactors who will go who you know possibly choose that particular period to reenact because they're interested in it yeah but might not have an interest beyond the i was going to say the act of reenactment if you know what i mean yeah the historical yeah so it doesn't necessarily have, have a it doesn't necessarily have a, a a sort of spiritual element to it or or, or even particularly a, a, an especially deep academic element. It's mm. 
you know, although um, a lot of them will know a great deal about the period, but um, so you're not necessarily going to not everybody you see who's, you know, for example, wearing a Mjolnir mm. or, um, you know, is, is, is wearing inverted commas Viking clothing yeah. is necessarily going to be a heathen no. in themselves. So I have to be fairly careful with some of those opening conversations. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, not necessarily wary, but a little bit delicate with, yeah. with where we kind of feel feel each other out and go, right, why, why are you here? Oh, well, I'm here for this. Oh, okay, that's great. Move on. Yeah. Um, you might also get families attending just for the entertainment factor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have, now you have events especially for children. Mm-hmm. So you have children's crafting events and children's story time events. Yeah. And you have storytellers and you have things like the world's strongest Viking competition, which oh, is on every year. Yes. You have the best beard competition. The best beard is brilliant. The best beard has men's, women's and children's categories. And if you can't grow your own, it's entirely acceptable to make one. So, yeah, that's You can, that's you can just, fun. like, just knit one yeah. out of wool and decorate it with things. Yeah, so you see people wearing those and wandering around, yeah. you're like, result. So people go to that festival for very many reasons, but for me, attending the Jovic Viking Festival, whether it's for a week, which is awesome, by the way, whether it's for a week or whether it's for a single day, that kind of is a... Not necessarily a renewal of faith, but a refilling of, of I don't know, a faithometer, I guess. Yeah, it it's... kind of it feels like almost a pilgrimage to be in that place every year. Mm, mm. It refreshes that 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 sort of uh, connection, I guess. It does, um... uh, and it does it. It's something that I've sort of been reflecting on. It's somewhere that I will go and feel more focused. It feels like in focus, in clarity, mm. when I am there in that place. Even with thousands of people that I probably know are not heathen, yeah. it feels like a very deeply spiritual place for me. Mm. And to be able to experience that got me thinking, and it got me thinking faith for me is not um, dogmatic okay. it's more experiential mm, mm. and it's not just we don't have temples that open at particular times and have religious services No, we don't have a requirement to do prayer at certain times in a day for so many times in a day we don't have specific times that we all heathens in an area will gather in a particular place what we have instead is an understanding that you know we can't tell you how to heathen and nobody else can tell me how to heathen either no <laughs> so it got me thinking about how we experience heathenry and given the fact that we don't have those temple spaces we don't have that requirement to gather on a particular day at a particular time or mm. that there is a particular day and time where a, a 
a sacred space is open to us. Yeah. We might have that if we go to a heathen camp and there, or we go to a pagan camp and there's an advertised ritual that we can attend. But that might, apart from our own kindreds, that might be the only experience of group faith that we held. Yeah. So for me, with it, even though the Jorvik Viking Festival is a secular festival, it isn't based around heathenry. No. It isn't. It doesn't have... Sumbul, it doesn't have blood, it doesn't have anything like that. But it is still almost a very deeply spiritual experience for me to go and repeat that going. Mm. To to get that sort of deepening connection. Because every time I go, it reminds me of all the times that I've been in the past and what positive experiences they were. Yeah. And once my trip is over that new positive experience joins the bank of positive experiences. And then when I go again, I get the experience of that trip plus the one before, plus all the ones before that. And it's this cumulative deepening appreciation and focus of faith without the experience actually being faith based. Mm, mm. And it is, and it isn't. It's, it isn't directly faith based for, for me. It's almost indirectly faith based. Yeah. I mean, you 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 take out of it, as as I suppose with many things, you you take out of it what you you what you bring with you into it. Obviously, we've we've talked before about I have a very sort of nebulous um, spiritual uh, structure, if you if that's if that's even the right word. Um, you know, f far from having a, I always consider myself a religious person, but it's not a specific religious belief that I could point a finger at and say, oh, I'm one of those. Mm. Um, I believe very much in, in the, the, the sort of, the sort of, the spirit of place and the connections between things living things, places, what have you. And to me, that has become either because of the way you the way you sort of have, have come to see it, or because of the way other people because of things that have happened there in the past, or a measure of both, that is a place which provides it opens up a connection for you. Mm. So it really does. Yeah. So you go there Especially in that time, in that environment, when people are, you know, selling their sort of replicas of, of mm. Viking jewellery and, and, and Viking artefacts and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you get to go play spot the replica and that is the funnest game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, there are always, I always call it the trader's tent. It's, there, there, there was like a big marquee, wasn't yeah. there? Um, but there are several sites within the town during the festival where there are um, what they call the 10th century traders who do, they're all independent um, vendors of, of um, sort of replica artifacts and all that yeah. sort of thing. A lot of, some of them do, do jewelry, some of them do clothing. Yeah. Furs, fabrics, shoes. Yeah. Oh, there was a whole stall of drinking horns. There was one with was. really gorgeous riveted chain mail on helmets. Yeah. It was just like, 
Yeah, yeah. That weapons so good. Weapons yeah. mo- mostly designed for either either for or- ornament or for um, reenactment use. Yeah. You go in there and you look at, especially, you know, especially the jewelry. You go in there and you're seeing, sort of pretty faithful oh, yeah. reproductions of 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 artifacts that have actually been found in places. Yes. And you also get to see alongside those very, very close replicas, you get to see modern interpretations and stylistically pieces that take a stylistic element from one artifact and put them onto another artifact. So you're not only trying to then identify the shape of the artifact as one piece, but then the the, the design on it is from another piece. So you can go around and, and have absolute fun remembering sites and artifacts and talking to the vendors who are just as enthusiastic about the stuff that they've got yeah and they will the vendors will will quite happily give you history lessons oh yeah you know where where well that 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 there is a copy of the the such a thing that was found in such a place Mm. and and so on for me going to that festival is a spiritual experience even though it's not a directly spiritual experience if that makes sense so it got me thinking in how we explore and experience our own heathenry mm. how do we heathen and how does do secular events and festivals do they play a part in that do we value going and seeing reenactors? Do we value going to museums? Mm. Do we value going to academic talks or book signings? Not just for academic non-fiction, but for fiction books based in that time period or fantasy books based in that time period yeah. where the author has drawn heavily on, on themes, on characterizations, on landscapes, on stylistic choices within the text that we can then have absolute fun recognizing where all those influences have come from yeah yeah and so do we take these these secular events can they give us as much spiritual and faith deepening and reward and opportunities for reflection as doing a symbol as doing a bloat as doing a, a ritual of thanks and praise whether it's with our kindreds, whether it's on our own, whether it's with 30-odd heathens, 60-odd heathens, 200-odd heathens, because we've all gathered together in a place for a camp for the weekend Mm. or the week. And what level do those secular experiences, they certainly hold a level of value for me as a heathen. And I've been to pagan ritual where I've done the ritual, but there's been no faith top up if you like there's been no deepening of my own faith inside that space it's been a a very peaceful experience Mm. and Mm. a very enjoyable experience but it doesn't advance my faith it doesn't add to my appreciation and understanding yeah but i go to a secular event like the jorvik viking festival and i go back year on year on year because it's this annual pilgrimage that i look forward to doing yeah and gain so much out of and when i go i might go and listen to academics i might sit and talk with them if i'm feeling brave enough yeah 
I might go to book launches and book signings for fiction books and, yeah, go and have a chat to the authors afterwards, again, if I'm feeling brave enough. Mm. You see, there you said, summarising, simplifying what Mm -hmm. you said, you know, can this secular event enhance my my practice, my heathenry, my... Yeah, does it add to that? To which... At the risk of of sounding rather um, not confrontational, some not 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 exactly assertive. Assertive. How are we going with assertive? Assertive um, is good. At the risk of sounding a little over assertive, you see, I would reply to that with, "Well, can it?" Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> TLDR. Yes. And there. Thank you very much, lovely listeners. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> But that's the thing. It's I mean we we you know we say every time we say you, we can't tell you how to heathen. And you said yourself at the beginning of this one nobody else can tell you how to heathen. No. It and this is the point. It's you this is a connection that you need to establish and maintain for yourself. Yes. With the for want of a better word the divinity that you perceive yes or the you know the the, the the as it as you might view it the spiritual realm or or what have you that as you perceive it and the only person who can judge whether that is effective or not is you yes lovely listeners spoiler alert it is effective for me. I'm not <laughs> saying it will be effective for everyone listening or every single heathen. Mm. But for me, there is a deep appreciation of some secular events and a deep appreciation of some very heathen focused events. Mm. You know, going to heathen camps is a different kind of topple. Yeah. And going to um, meet my kindred, even mm. if it's, you know, a couple of hours socialising in the pub. That's a different kind of connection and a different kind of deepening. Yeah. Going to uh, a sumble or toasting as part of a, a prayer ritual or, you know, asking prayers for peace, for healing and doing a sumble in as part of that, a sumble round as part of that. Mm. Doing a blot, whether it's a big kind of formal all bells and whistles you know, posh clothing, have a bath beforehand, yeah. getting, you know, you do all the preparation and that deepens that experience because you're focusing on where you're going to be. Yeah. Or whether it's just sitting on a step with an extra mug of coffee and going, right, I'm having five minutes. We're just going to sit together. I'm not going to say anything, but I brought you a coffee. Yeah. Even those small rituals, they help contribute to that connection, even if they are secular even if they're solo, if they're with a group. So I was thinking on the nature of ritual and the nature of my heathenry, how it works for me. Mm. And how it works for me is I will keep going back to the Jorvik Viking Festival year on, year out. But alongside that, there are, you know, chats and meetings with kindred. There are blots, there are sunbells, there are heathen camps if I can get them yeah. if I can find them and everybody on that field is a heathen that is a complete relief because I don't have to sit there and explain myself mm. 
Mm. I can talk in the faith shorthand because I know pretty much everybody on that field will know what I'm saying. Yeah. And I can make jokes because jokes are based on shared understanding. Mm. And if I go onto a field of pagans, I might have to backtrack and start with Heathenry 101, which kind of spoils the punchline. <laughs> you can't get your punchline in if nobody understands and looks at you and goes, but why is that funny? And you're like, ah, right. OK, so I've got to tell you about this. Yeah. And that's why this is funny. Everybody laugh. Everybody laugh. And you're like, OK, they clearly got bored and walked off about half an hour into that explanation. <laughs> but if I go into a heathen camp... I know that everybody on there will have an understanding of that faith. And it might not be exactly the same as my understanding of that faith, but we all share that ability in common. Yeah. And even when I go to a, a multi-faith or an interfaith event, we all have, we are all people of faith. Mm. And that's amazing because we get to share those commonalities. And even in those events, there is an opportunity for reflection afterwards and adapting of practice yeah my practice does not stay still mm. it doesn't it is not static it is a living breathing thing and there are the big bones to it like the Jorvik viking festival and the big muscle groups the things that i will do year in year out or at certain times of the month or at certain days where i will do the larger events the the big pieces yeah but there are the little tiny things as well that are of equal value that i can use to reflect on to adapt my practice to keep it moving to keep learning to keep trying to deepen my understanding of my own faith mm. to keep going the learning doesn't stop heathenry is the one with the homework we cannot <laughs> tell you how to heathen so And various other well-established <laughs> phrases that we've been using since, <laughs> quite, since over 100 episodes. You've been with us that long, haven't you, lovely listeners? So, yeah, it's about the nature of my faith and how I experience it. And the broader questions of, do we just have faith or religious based events or can we get the same value and ability to reflect ability to understand from secular events as well mm. so yeah kind of been a bit weird the last few days i've had a lot of thinks oh, this is no bad thing it is not if you've got time to do the thinks granted yes it does help to have the time it does but um but yeah i mean i've you you spoke of um sort of the, 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 the effect you can get from what is essentially a secular festival. Yes. I say secular festival, I mean, it's, it, it just isn't... It, it, it's basically, it, as you said earlier on, it's a tourist attraction. It is. Really. If um, I think, I'm not going to get the same kind of religious kind of thing about visiting a theme park or going on a roller coaster. It's, no. But this tourist attraction, yeah. I mean, for me the the connection comes from the 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 people around me or the or the or the place that i'm in and there as 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 very similar to what you said you know i've been in rituals and 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 rites and things that have been carried out 
for you know by heathen groups which have felt very powerful pagan groups which have felt very powerful to me and have and have and have fed that that channel into the I don't know what I don't, I don't know what um, I would yeah, yeah. I, I suppose that's that's really all I can call it then again I would say I get I can I've been known to get the same effect going into churches mm. you know yeah I can go into I can go into a church if there's a particular um ceremony on or something like that my uh, my my parents and, and and various members of my my family always used to go to midnight mass at Christmas. Mm, um, yes, that's lovely. You know, and that was a tremendously affecting experience. Yeah. You know, even even when I I grew up a bit, and I knew I I knew I was sort of a, a paganistic type, and that it's, you know, but but to be in there while that's going on with all those people around me who 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 feel it yes you know and who who for want of a better word channel it and Ampl- you, and amplify it and amplify it and you can you can pick up on that and yeah. you can you can you can experience that um you know and there have again there have been secular events where i felt very similar sort of effects i mean there's been you know, music performances and things. I've been to concerts and things mm. where I felt a very, very similar thing because of the, I don't know, the power, let's, yes. let's say. The connection, the focus, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's, it, it's no surprise that, that you can find a place that is particularly special to you, where there is an event that is particularly special to you, I would not want to see people cutting themselves off from potential sources of that mm. by saying, you know, oh, I can't, I can't do this because it's not a proper religious or it's not a proper ritual thing or, 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 or what have you. It's yeah. It's like going to that festival is a profound experience for me. Mm. And I'm quite happy kind of repeating that profound experience year on year on year. And it might be that I stay in that profound experience for like this year we went for a day. So we were there for maybe eight, 10 hours. Yeah. Whether it's that or whether it's a week, it's still the same level of intense, profound connection. Yeah. Focus. Yeah. I can't figure out how to describe it any other way. Yeah. Lovely, lovely listeners. Well, I'm hoping that this discussion might have maybe sparked a thought or two about how you view not only your time in ritual, but maybe your time at secular events and how that might also contribute to your faith experience, your faith deepening. We can't tell you how to heathen. <laughs> we we may have can't. mentioned that. <laughs> if you want to find us online... You can find me, I'm Suzanne Martin, I'm on Facebook under that name, and I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me, um, you can find me on uh, Facebook as uh, Kate Coldwin. Uh, If you also uh, want to come and um, join us on Facebook, we have a little page there. uh, If you just do a search on uh, Facebook at FrithCastPod, 
that will lead you to our uh, little group and from there you can find your way to our Discord server um, which is a little virtual campfire community where we would uh, love to see you and um, welcome you if you wanted to come along and have a chat to us. Yeah, come on and join us around the virtual virtual campfire. There have been some awesome good conversations there lately. You are very welcome to come and dip in and join us and share a cuppa, pull up a log, warm your knees, you know the drill. <laughs> lovely, lovely listeners. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. We hope to see you again for episode 132. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.